0: Welcome to the Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts, Dr. Damien Kristoff and Dr. Brett Hill.
1: Hey, brett Yes, Damien? Hey, uh, I'm going to go to Ikaria again. And, uh, and Marcus is going as well. And we're going to take 20 people with us to Icaria to learn more about longevity. If any of our listeners would love to come along to Icaria with us, then just go to 100notout.com.au, I think it is, and, uh, and check us out. See if it's for you, see if you'd like to come with us, because this episode is brought to you by the 100 Not Out Longevity Tour.
0: Woohoo! Adelaide cavemen are here.
2: Eat your
1: greens. We have it. You Hi, this is Damien Christoph, and this is Brett Hill. Hello, Brettie. Damo, how are you, mate? Welcome home. Oh, good to be back. I tell you what, it was a, uh, oh. it was a bit of a whirlwind trip.
2: I know. You've been everywhere. Well, I've been mean everywhere, man.
1: <laughs> well, I've seen it all now, haven't I? I've seen your naked bum photo, and <laughs> I've uh, I've now got your naked voice. It's incredible. It's unbelievable. <laughs> what you hear and what you see cannot be unheard or unseen. Uh, hey, Bretto, um, I'll ask you more about your naked photo later um, on a on another podcast next episode. On our next episode, stay tuned. There's lots to talk about there about your. Naked white backside splashed all over Instagram. (laughs) Uh, So, but we're talking to a very uh, intelligent, very smart, very clever. Um, professional, a medical doctor out of the United States. Everybody knows who she is. Dr. Terry Walls um, has had e- enormous success uh, with her own journey with multiple sclerosis and then has gone on to write a protocol for autoimmune disease and all that sort of thing. So um, I, I know that you were very excited in interviewing her. What did you take out of this episode?
2: I'm oh, very excited. You know, she's someone who I've referred people to a lot, actually, you know, people with Anyone basically with neurodegenerative disorders, I like to sort of point them in the direction of Terry Walls because not only has she got a great protocol, but she's got an amazing, inspiring story. And and I think as much as anything, her story can really just inspire people to see that there is hope and there is stuff that you can do that makes a massive difference. So, um, you know, I think what I took out of the interview today is just that it's quite simple. You know that that it's really about just nourishing your body the way that it's designed to be nourished and and looking after not just your food but your entire lifestyle um, can make a huge difference to these diseases which often people are told there's nothing you can do about it and and that there's not really much hope for. So uh, I think it's a really empowering story um, and I think she's got a great protocol and program that can really help people.
1: Yeah, I love what I loved. I think in the in the uh, chat today was that it was inclusive of people um, who both eat meat and those who don't eat meat. So there's people that are definitely jumping on the uh, vegan. Lifestyle bandwagon at the moment, which is fine. Good on them. A lot of people jumped on the paleo um, lifestyle at some point in the last six or seven years. However, um, there's a really nice blend uh, that's that's taking place also at the moment. And but you can do it either way. You can either eat the meat or you can eat the plants and still get a great result. And she goes on to talk about that. You know, you know briefly. And if you wanted to get more information about that, of course, you go to her website, which is www.terry. That's T-E-R-R-Y Walls.com and walls is w-a-h-l-s so it's, it's i've tried to spell it so many different ways um, but google fortunately <laughs> will find it for you even if you type it wrong but um yeah it's doc it's www.terrywalls.com and you can find out more information about what she's up to there and, uh, and we get to meet her in a couple of weeks too which is exciting mate
2: yeah, it's going to be great at the Bioceutical Symposium, looking forward to that. So we'll see her there, maybe see some of our listeners there, And uh, but let's get into it, Damo. All right, mate. Hold tight.
1: Hey, Bretto. Hey, Damo. How are you, mate? Yeah, second time lucky. Very good, mate. Excellent. <laughs>
2: <laughs> We're on fire here. Absolutely. Right. The, uh, the height of professionalism with our recordings, as always. Hey, um, we've got a great guest on today, Damo. Very excited.
1: Yeah, I know Dr. you are. Terry... But you've been uh, jumping up and down, very excited about this. I know, you're texting me every other day, down the hours.
2: <laughs> Well, Dr. Terry Walls is she's amazing, Dr. Terry Walls. She most people probably like me first came across her as a result of a TED talk that she did, um, talking about her amazing journey with MS. Um, and how she was able to heal from that and recover from that, from being, you know, virtually uh, bed bound to all of a sudden riding around on her bike and doing all sorts of amazing, crazy things. So um, it's an amazing story, and and I guess the most amazing thing about the story is her ability to understand how it happened and why it happened and the science behind that, and her ability now to share that with the world, which has just been incredible uh, through her protocol. Um, and so. Terry is just an absolute marvel, and uh, I'd love to bring her on and welcome her to the show. Welcome, Dr. Terry.
0: Hey, thank you so much for having me. Ah,
2: it's an absolute pleasure, Terry. You have been on an incredible journey, I guess yourself personally, um, and then been able to share that and share lots of stories of many other people going on similar journeys. But let's start with you first. T- tell us a little bit about your journey with MS. You know where you were at to start with, because it was quite. Uh, debilitating
0: in terms of how it was affecting your life. Sure. So, you know, I'm an academic internal medicine uh, physician. Uh, I believe very much in the newest drugs, best technology. And so in 2000, when I was diagnosed with relapsing, remitting, multiple sclerosis on the basis of a new weakness in my left leg, abnormal lesions in my spinal cord, and a a history of uh, visual dimming 13 years earlier, I knew I wanted to treat my disease aggressively. I sought out the best MS Center I could find, which was the Cleveland Clinic, saw their best people, took the newest drugs, and still within three years, um, I needed a total recline wheelchair. I'd had three years of steady decline. I was then placed on mitoxantrone, uh, I continued to decline. I was then placed on Tizabri, this new, very potent biologic drug. I continued to decline. I was then placed on CELSEPT. Uh And so in, in 2004, I started experimenting based on uh, studying the basic science and animal models of MS uh, with a variety of uh, pills and supplements of vitamins. I was slowing my decline, but I was still declining. I discovered the work of the ancestral health movement. I, After 20 years of being a vegetarian diet, I went back to eating meat. I continued to decline. And then in 2007, I discovered the Institute for Functional Medicine. I took their course on neuroprotection. I had a longer list of vitamins and supplements that I was taking. And then at the very end of 2007, I had a really big aha moment that I should redesign my paleo diet in a, a very specific way, stressing the um nutrients I was taking uh, in supplement form, I, and I did that, uh, and within three months, I was beginning to walk with a cane. My uh, brain fog and fatigue were gone. In six months, I was walking without a cane. In nine months, I biked around the block uh, the first time in uh, six years, and in a year, I was able to do a 20-mile bike ride with my family. And so this really changed how I understood disease and health. It would change how I practice medicine and it would ultimately change the type of research that I do.
1: That's, uh, that's an incredible story. I've got so many questions popping up in my mind, Dr. Terry. Um, it's an incredible story because it sounds like years and years and years of decline with a very rapid improvement um, once you worked out what you needed to do to get things right. Am I reading that correctly?
0: Absolutely. You know, seven years decline, uh, the paleo diet, uh, vitamins and supplements maybe slowed the decline but did not stop it. It was when I uh, really designed a diet and lifestyle program specifically for my brain that I had this remarkably rapid turnaround
1: you, um, you mentioned something in your commentary before which I liked, um, you spoke about um, ancestral and there's definitely a trend these days, certainly we're seeing it in Australia, people are moving more to an understanding of a paleolithic um, and potentially even um, largely plant-based diet but looking more to ancestral styles of eating. Is that kind of, are we more on track with doing that rather than being a hardcore vegan or a hardcore paleo just for the sake of it, is it better to check out our ancestry?
0: So I think it's really important uh, to think um, uh, our our ancestors – and, of course, the ancestors in Australia, the Aborigines, ate very differently than the ancestors might have in Northern Europe or in Africa or North America or South uh, America. So it it was always adapted to the geography, the season, uh, very local. It was, of course, uh, organic, fresh – uh, there are no food additives, um, and you know many, many of my paleo friends uh, really got the eat lots of meat, and didn't get the eat lots of vegetables and uh, and some meat. Uh, my version of the paleo yeah. diet is mostly vegetables and some meat. I like it.
2: And. So, Terry, um, can you tell us more about, I guess, specifically what your protocol entails? And do you think your protocol is something that is for everyone or is it for people with these specific conditions?
0: Well, uh, let me uh, come back to uh, is it for everyone uh, or specific conditions? You know, I I designed it to uh, help make sure our mitochondria uh, could work really well and uh, Uh, brain cells could work really well. And every cell in our body relies on mitochondria to generate the energy that that cell will use to run the chemistry of life. So all of our cells are very, very dependent on mitochondria. And having your mitochondria run really efficiently means uh, a lot of uh, essential fats, uh, a lot of minerals, a lot of B vitamins, a lot of coenzyme Q. And so I designed my diet to be sure that you would get plenty of those uh, nutrients in the food that you eat. Uh, And so that's about having green leaves, uh, sulfur-rich vegetables in the cabbage, onion family, and deeply pigmented uh, vegetables uh, like beets, carrots, uh, or berries. Uh, I also encourage uh, organ meat uh, and seaweed. Uh, These were ancestral foods that uh, people would have been uh, trading or traveling uh, to get. That would have been very, very highly prized. Um, And in my clinical practice, uh, we certainly see that this has been very helpful for people with, uh, in my primary care practice, people with high blood pressure, obesity, heart disease, In my uh, VA clinics where we were uh, uh, really specialized in what we call the lifestyle clinic, uh, pain was the most common reason people came to see me. Uh, uh, And uh, uh, brain fog and mental health were very, very common reasons. Uh, Autoimmunity would be another common reason. And and we also had many, many people with uh, traumatic brain injuries. So it, it helps a wide variety of health conditions. Certainly MS and autoimmunity, um, but because it was designed for mitochondria and for brain cells, it really helps across uh, quite a number of disease states.
1: It seems that um, it's a super clean diet and um, and nutrient rich. So you know,
0: mm-hmm. you
1: have to ask the question: Why wouldn't it be good for everyone? Because it, it sounds like it would be great for every single person on the planet to just eat clean food and organ organ meats and uh, and, and nutrient dense product. Like it would just make sense to me. Uh,
0: yes, you know, it helps people think about um, uh, how to design their diet, uh, but but also uh, would. Uh, let everyone who's listening to this podcast that while the f- the food is very very helpful, it's more the message is about all of the things that are under your control uh, in addition to diet that are so important to uh, the development of health or the development of poor health in chronic disease states, uh, be it uh, pain, fatigue, brain fog, or enough dysfunction that you begin to develop overt disease states you know depression anxiety high blood pressure obesity diabetes or an autoimmune diagnosis mm.
1: yeah it's um it's fascinating but uh, there is a lot we see a lot and I, i'm a naturopath as well dr terry and a chiropractor and a nutritionist so i've done lots of studies in around uh, nutrition and the nervous system and it seems that Um, In every single model of healthcare, there's a particular um, approach that we all kind of take. We kind of go, if I'm a nutritionist or naturopath, I'm looking down the nutrition route. Um, If I'm a chiropractor, I'm looking down the nervous system and spine and and neurological route. Um, For some MDs, they're looking down a pharmaceutical route. Um, It's a big shift for you to to move from a you know pharmaceutical um, direction and then into a nutritional um, perspective. Did you find it challenging to move from the bottles and the tablets of nutrients into nutrient-rich foods? Because I love the idea of using food first.
0: Well, um, you know, it was hugely challenging. Um, I was a very sceptical internal medicine doc. Very much believed in the uh, pharmaceuticals, uh, surgeries, devices, newest technology. Um, it, yeah, but I sort of laughed, you know, that um, I, I thought people were wasting their money when they're using uh, vitamins and supplements and special diets. But, you know, God has, uh, works in mysterious ways. And so when I became so ill and so profoundly disabled, uh, that's when I started reading the science and would begin to experiment on myself. And it was through my own personal health, health transformation that I understood the power of really attending to diet and lifestyle. And then when I began to utilize these in my clinics – and started paying more and more and more attention to diet and lifestyle with my patients. And then I began to see that I could get more rapid results with my patients by zeroing in on teaching them why and how to use um, optimizing their diet and lifestyle to really uh, create these dramatic shifts uh, in health outcomes. And, you know, um, improve their health status such that their blood pressures were improving, their blood sugars are improving, their weight was normalizing, uh, pain is reducing. And I would be steadily reducing the prescription, the the doses of prescription meds and often eliminating them. And, you know, and my uh, resident physicians were time and time again so impressed with the speed of change, and they're also impressed with uh, my skill at getting patients uh, um, excited and motivated and growing their internal motivation to be willing to make these changes. It's not easy to to, uh, adopt these health behaviors.
2: Uh, Terry, I'm really curious about what you said before about, you know, that you were, I guess at first, not that uh, focused on diet as, as an important factor in terms of helping people heal and, and thinking that people were perhaps wasting time and money by taking that sort of, I guess, some what is seen as an alternative route. And I'm, I'm fascinated about this from the point of view of, um, you know, I think that's actually often can be quite a common view amongst particularly the medical fraternity. And so trying to understand why that is and how we can change that. So, where do you think that thought came from for you? you? know do you think that was conditioning from society? Do you think that was your medical training? you know why is it you think you've thought that way? and I guess what have you learned now that might help us um, get other professionals in the medical sphere to try and embrace a more holistic approach to health?:
0: So you know we have a year of pharmacology. Um, there, when I went to medical school, there were no lectures. Um, No nutrition courses. There might have been a lecture or two about some nutritional concepts, but we got very little nutritional education. Uh, And during uh, the clinical time, there was lots and lots of discussion about drugs and interventions and very little discussion about uh, 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 nutritional interventions. Uh, in teaching and learning the biochemistry is all about the pharmaceutical intervention, nothing about the nutritional, uh, the the ways you could use food to influence uh, biochemistry. Uh, And even now, uh, most medical schools, uh, even in 2014, had less than 10 hours of nutrition lectures in the four years of medical school. That is changing. There are more schools that are adding that. uh, And certainly the public is uh, more and more interested in understanding uh, nutrition and uh, uh, dietary uh, information. Um, So that is changing. But I think a lot of that is being driven by... Public demand, uh, driven by the education, and you have know, things like this, this podcast, uh, yeah, my TED talk, uh, in the uh, many books uh, that are available, uh, the public is beginning to see that uh, pharmaceuticals may control symptoms, but they don't. They rarely restore full health, full function, full vitality. To do that, you really have to get back to the underlying health behaviors that led to the poor health in the health behaviors that are associated with improving health and vitality.
1: It's great. Great call. Great advice too. And I I know that uh, we do have a number of MDs and, uh, and, and, Doctors of osteopathy, actually in the states, that listen to our um, our podcast, so hopefully they're on board and they can communicate those sorts of sentiments with their friends as well, which would be great. Doctor Terry, Doctor Terry, um, I was at a seminar in uh, San Francisco last year. Uh, it was called the Wave and was with Life University at the Chiropractic College um, at West. And I listened to a man um, who I found absolutely fascinating, and and. He spoke about uh, trauma trauma to the upper cervical spine um, affecting flow of cerebral spinal fluid um, being potentially linked to multiple sclerosis. Now, I had a a situation recently where somebody came in uh, following on from a a motor vehicle accident. She had very, very limited range of motion in her neck, and then she was subsequently diagnosed with an autoimmune condition in her spinal um, cord in the cerebral spinal fluid, and, and it was the only place that they found um, elevated lymphocytes, um, which was in her spinal cord, um, but it wasn't a result of an infection. They said it was an autoimmune disease in her spinal cord. Do you think there could be a link with, um, with, with some kind of biomechanical dysfunction and the brain uh, and, and then potentially neurodegeneration, or do you think it's purely only um, nutritional?
0: Oh, no, I'm sure it's multifactorial. Um, we, we know, for example, that uh, concussive injuries to the brain uh, increase your risk of Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, ALS, and multiple sclerosis. Right. It would uh, make sense to me that uh, traumatic injuries involving the neck likewise can in- increase the probability of uh, neurodegenerative processes involving the cervical spinal cord as well uh, and uh, potentially uh, damage that can appear to be autoimmune in nature.
1: Yeah, appear but potentially not be. and then But then you'd obviously have to clean things up with your lifestyle too, right? It's not going to be a drug fix. It'll be a, a nutritional fix. That's what we're saying.
0: You know, I, I'm sure it's multifactorial. You want to uh, address as many uh, of your health behaviors that may be pointing towards a disease-promoting pattern and get them pointed more towards a health-promoting pattern. It, you know, and, and most of us, uh, we end up having to pick one domain of our life at a time that we clean up. If you're in my uh, clinical trials, I may zoom in on more than one thing. But uh, in my clinical practice, uh, in general, we start uh, with nutrition. And then I begin to work with folks uh, and discuss Uh, their other aspects of their uh, health behaviors and uh, encourage them to begin pointing them one at a time towards more and more health promoting.
2: And Dr. Tara, I'd love to talk about some of those clinical trials you mentioned, because we've got you coming out to Australia soon to come to the yes. biocultural symposium, which we're very much looking forward to. And I, I will be there. I'll be Damien there. Damien will what? be there. We'll, we'll get to meet um, you. It'll be great. I spoke to Excellent. I spoke to I spoke to Cindy Omira last night. She's very keen to come along. So it's going to be a great event event. And I had a look at the, uh, the lineup of what you're going to share at that event, and there was a lot of case studies that you're going to be sharing, which is fantastic. Yeah. So can you give us a bit of a glimpse of some of the stories you're going to be sharing with us at that symposium?
0: So uh, I'll talk about uh, neurodegeneration and uh, diet and lifestyle neuro- health behaviors as they apply to neurodegeneration, and of course that includes uh, Alzheimer's, uh, Parkinson's, ALS, and progressive MS. Uh, and then I'm going to uh, talk about uh, the non pharmaceutical approaches for dealing with uh, MS. Uh, uh, and so those are the two big lectures. Uh, and then we'll have uh, a series of case lectures. Uh, and I will be reviewing uh, some of the um, uh, approaches for Alzheimer's and for MS in terms of the diet and lifestyle uh, measures that my very good friend, Dale Bredesen, and I both use in our clinics, uh, where he focuses uh, on Alzheimer's. I focus uh, on neurodegeneration, uh, neuroinflammation. Uh, So we'll we'll be talking about how they're similar uh, and then reviewing a couple of case studies. Uh, Then my next uh, series of cases uh, I'll be looking uh, primarily at MS related cases uh, and so I'll present uh, some cases I'll be talking about functional medicine, giving people uh, some of the tools that I use uh, with the timeline a functional medicine matrix and we will work through some a couple of cases together. It should be a, a, a very useful way of think of thinking uh, about um, taking a story and looking at all the health behaviors and what we can do to help people optimize them.
1: It's going to be great. It's going to be great. I'll be sitting at the front. Brother. you can sit at the front with me if you like. I think that'd be great.
0: Uh,
2: you know me. I like to sit at the back and pass notes and be naughty. <laughs> throw, <laughs>
1: <laughs> throw Maltesers down the aisle. I love it. Uh, well, Dr. Terry, uh, we are looking forward to having you in Australia. It's going to be really good, and we'll see you at the Bioceutical Symposium. Um with uh, all the changes and all the, uh, the shifts uh, that we're seeing globally in, in the way in which food's presented and, and the availability of food, it, it's, it's probably never been a better time than now for people to actually change their diet and to eat healthily. Where can people actually start with, um, with, with improving their lifestyle, improving their diet? What's the best thing that they could do straight away?
0: Begin learning how to cook again. Begin making oh. your own meals at home. Uh, A lot of uh, people are just going out and getting fast food that's been processed by someone else. So, learning how to cook um, and replacing uh, uh, sugar-sweetened beverages, sweetened foods, flour-based foods with water uh, for your beverages and uh, more vegetables. Uh, um, So, get rid of the grains, replace them with vegetables, have a good uh, protein source and in my books, I talk about strategies if you're a meat eater, and I give you slightly different strategies if you are a uh, opposed to eating meat for your ethical and spiritual beliefs. And we do provide guidance for the uh, vegan and vegetarians.
2: And so, Ter- Dr. Terry, for your vegan and vegetarians, uh, following your protocol, how do they go? I mean, is that a harder thing to do, to stay on your protocol if you are vegan well, or vegetarian, or is it still just as easy to do?
0: Uh, no, you can, you can do it. Uh, I think it, uh, having a complete protein from the form of meat is easier. Uh, but you can use uh, gluten-free grains, gluten-free legumes. I give you some strategies to reduce the lectin content uh, of those grains and legumes to make them safer. Uh, we talk about uh, ways to avoid the uh, uh, be the uh, B vitamin deficiency, the essential fatty acid deficiencies that may occur, uh, and some of the mineral deficiencies that may occur. So you have to put a little more effort into it, uh, but it certainly can be done. Uh, and I do have people who are, um, you know, have severe financial constraints, and so are eating less meat uh, for uh, because of the financial constraints. Uh, and, and so I, I also uh, in my book talk about how to do this if we are trying to do this with uh, severe financial limits.
2: Yeah, perfect. That's great. Well, it sounds, Damo, like forage cereal would be the way to go then if you're a <laughs> vegan, vegetarian, wanting to get the right start it. in the morning. I love it.
1: Great, great little plug there. Thanks, mate. <laughs> uh, Gluten free grains, of course. Uh, and we're moving to sprouted. I don't know if I've told people that, though, but we're moving to sprouted nuts and yeah. seeds, which is uh, very exciting, which is a great way to decrease lectins. But, uh, Dr. Terry, I was yep. in Expo West, as I said before, and they said they. Um, They've got some very interesting takes on what would be natural, I have to say. Um, I found a vegan turkey. Now, it wasn't a real turkey, <laughs> but it was in the shape of a turkey uh, and it was made with uh, <laughs> plant based protein. What do you think of that?
0: Well, you know, many of our uh, plant based proteins are derived from soy products. Uh, we have to be careful with soy, is it genetically modified, has it been grown with a lot of Roundup. How has it been processed? Some of the newer manufacturing processes of uh, soy, uh, the protein is not very digestible. Um, and, and so I think it's possibly a vegetarian and vegan, but rather you do it with a traditional means for preparing that food. It's so, like so food. Uh, Yeah. Soaked and sprouted uh, legumes, soaked and sprouted gluten-free grains would be better. Uh, some of these newer versions of these uh, gluten-free part, uh, and these newer versions of uh, soy-based foods may not be so good for us.
1: It's a great call. Good. Heed the warning, people. Uh, Dr. Walls, Dr. Terry, it's been wonderful to have you uh, join us today on the Wellness Guys Show. Uh, we've been going for what is it, nearly seven years now, Bredo. And um, I'm always excited by um, our superstars that get a chance to join us. So thank you very much, Dr. Terry. It's been great to have you on our show and I look forward to meeting you in a couple of weeks.
0: You know, and I'll, I'm going to send you uh, links to my website uh, just so you can have them in your show notes as well. Yeah, that will be great. I'll email those to you next.
2: Yeah, that will be great. I'll email
0: those we'll to you uh, next.
2: Okay. Perfect. So we'll and, just – And Demo, yep, people wanting to come along to that bioceutical symposium as well. I should just mention it is in Melbourne. Yeah. And it's in the 27th to the 29th of April. I was about to say March. April. <laughs> uh, so 27th to 29th of April in Melbourne. It's going to be great.
1: You've got to be a practitioner to come. Um, I do know some people that have turned up to this particular event and they're not practitioners. that are just kind of snuck in. Um, but I reckon that um, you'll want to be a practitioner this time around. Just saying – just saying anyway great chat
0: thank you so much